the value is truly there and you truly want to buy it, then you're going to buy it at this price. I could just charge you more then because you're going to want it anyways. So it's like, for me, when people ask me for discounts, I really think about it like, are you spending? Now, there's different situations, though. If somebody like, say, like a, an influencer or something like that, like I've had people who like rappers and stuff like that buy a bulk amount of stuff. I'll give them a discount because they're buying so much stuff. But if you're buying one item and you asking me for a discount, what do I look like? I'm in a business for profit. And right. I think people forget that, like, we don't go into businesses just so we can say we have a business. We post our LLCs. You got a business bank account and you get on social media and you talk about it. Like it, we're not creating businesses for that. We're creating businesses for profit mm -hmm. so you can profit put that money somewhere else like i tell people e-commerce is really just a vehicle i'm taking this money and i'm parking it in dividend paying stocks i'm parking it into other asset classes that can appreciate over time mm -hmm. because why would i why would i sit here and think that okay just because i have this one business that this is the only thing that's going to be able to generate me money going on millionaires you're listening to the million dollar mind podcast episode 193 on how to scale a six-figure clothing brand with Dantes Akram so I'm super excited to have this conversation man we got my boy Dantes in the building and I'm sure you guys who are in that space of like e-commerce you get you've been kind of doing your research once you tapped in that algorithm already got you trapped where I'm sure you've seen some of Tez's like ads somewhere <laughs> on your Facebook page on your Instagram page anywhere right just maybe just be scrolling on the web you might see a, a ad you know to join one of his master classes so i'm super excited to get this conversation because we're going to be talking about some of those marketing methods that you use Taz. Yeah. uh you know some of the methods that you use to scale you know your, your clothing brands the several clothing brands that you have yeah. you know the students that you have that are doing pretty well and everything like that and for those who are not familiar with Taz, he is the owner of Staggerack and One Love Clothing Company. We're going to be talking about that. Also, it's helped hundreds of beginners create and scale their clothing brands. I'm talking like hundreds. We might even be closer to thousands, right? Hey, man, we very close to thousands. Hey, that, well, it's crazy. And the fun fact is, Tess has lived in Egypt for about four years. So I want to start off with that, Tess, yeah. and just like kind of go over your experiences because I'm a firm believer that when you travel, mm -hmm. you know, you're starting to tap into a different part of your mind. Absolutely. And, you know, you start to look at things through a different scope. So tell us about that experience first on like living in Egypt, how that was, and, you know, maybe some of the ways that has molded you into mm -hmm. the person that's joining us today. Um, man, I, first off, I want to thank you guys for, you know, having me on here. Um, it's definitely a pleasure to be even able to get on these podcasts and even mm -hmm. be able to share my, my journey and stories and lessons and with you guys so I appreciate y'all first and foremost but man living in Egypt I think it changed my entire perception of how I look at the world mm -hmm. you know what I mean like you grow up in the hood you grow up you know people on food stamps and you know all of these different crimes and things like that happening but when you move to a different country now you're seeing things from a completely different lens mm -hmm. and I think for me I think the one thing that I learned the most is that just because we see everything that's going on in the US doesn't mean it's not worse somewhere else so, you know, living in Egypt from eight to 12, I got a chance to like really see real poverty. And then you seen like a government that didn't really care. So mm. I got a chance to witness that. And then also like seeing some of the kids, like I used to be, I would say a lot of people are ungrateful for the small things that we have. And it made me even more grateful because I got a chance to see like kids living on the streets and like, there's no police or nobody that's gonna tell them to move or nothing like that. They're mm -hmm. living on the streets. Like majority of people had the majority of their belongings. Like I'm talking clothes, anything that you would think that you would have in the house, they had 
had all of that on the back of a donkey's carriage. Mm. So like when I seen all of that, learning the language, learning more about the culture, eating their foods, going to school there, you know, having to learn French and Arabic and English still, and then math on top of that, like it, it changed how I looked at the world. So when I came back here, you know, my mom always used to tell me like, eat all your food on the plate because at, at the end of the day, there's always somebody else somewhere in a, in a completely different, uh, you know, country that are begging for, you know, that little piece of food that you may not have eaten. So I think for me, like I'm very grateful and that's why I try to do my my best to like remain humble with everything that I do. So that's fact. Cool, man. So so that's interesting. So eight to 12, what initiated the move to Egypt and uh, like kind of like what started like, what was the reason for going there? And then when you came back, like, talk about now being a 12-year-old, being, you know, living in a whole other continent, coming back home where you kind of, like, relieved to come back? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what were some of those emotions and experiences, if you can recall? Man, honestly, when my mom first told me it was moving to Egypt, I was like, bro, there's no way I'm moving to Egypt. Like, right. there's no way. I told her that. And then she was like, you don't have a choice. And mm-hmm. I'm like... Hey, I'm trying to call grandma, auntie. Like, I gotta stay with y'all, son. But nobody was budging. So um, I think for me, like I was, I was in shock, and I didn't really understand why. But we had family stuff that was going on, and I felt like my mom wanted to take that risk to actually show her kids a different part of the world. Mm-hmm. So this was all of our first time, like ever going there. I didn't speak no Arabic, like I didn't know nothing about the culture. I knew nothing. I'm eight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know nothing about nothing. And uh, coming back, I think what I realized is like. I wouldn't say I got bullied, but I would definitely say I was different and I was unique. So now when you're unique in a way where nobody's ever seen anything like that, mm-hmm. and especially as a kid, you know, they have a way of going about things differently than, you know, the normal. And it was just kind of like, you know, people would like say, oh, you lived in Egypt, you're from Egypt and like all these different things. And it used to make me feel some type of way. But later on in life, I realized that that was one of the things that empowered me. You know what I mean? Because I'm unique, like I've been able to overcome a lot of the obstacles that I went through. And I even lived in another country and I'm still able to be successful to this day and still teach different people from all across the world how to do what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm grateful. Like, at the end of the day, like, you can make fun of me. You can say what you want about me. But at the end of the day, I'm a pure-hearted person. And mm-hmm. I went through a sequence of different things that got me to where I am right now. And nobody can take that away from me. Right. That's facts. And I love that you use the word grateful. Mm-hmm. And um, gratitude is kind of like to my next point because, yeah. you know, having that experience of being in another country and knowing just uh, most Americans, I feel like we so spoiled. Yeah. And we... we get bothered by the slightest things right Mm -hmm. we get we get bothered that you know we can't get a house by the age of 24 we can't be bothered that we can't you know move out of our parents by a certain age some people so so in such a rush to move out of their parents house yep and we find so many reasons to not be grateful for the things that we do have to where you see other people who come to this country from another country and they have nothing but gratitude yeah They, they find nothing but, you know, something to be grateful for. And we always talking about the power of writing down at least five things you're grateful for before, yeah. you know, you end or even before you begin your day, just so it uh, empowers you to do more. Absolutely. And so I can kind of see like that's a part of your success is b- just being able to look through that lens of gratitude and grace and understanding that somewhere, somewhere else, like it could always be a lot worse as you've experienced. Exactly. So Tez, I'm super excited to dive in with you. Welcome to the show. Appreciate y'all. To our vets, welcome to, you know, to the Million Dollar Mind podcast. And to, if it's your first time, welcome. This is the number one community of entrepreneurs in that abundance and mindset space. So tap in if you're just looking for some money making tips and tricks to living a more passionate life, more abundant life, and you want to attract some high level people and you want to become a more high level person yourself. This is definitely the place to be. All right, millionaires, entrepreneurs, moguls, philanthropists, 
managers even, right? I want to encourage you to purchase my book, Lead from the Front, because it is essential if you want to learn how to be an effective leader, not just for others, but for yourself as well. Learning the tools or the importances, I should say, of accountability, discipline. We have so many resources and tools that are in the book to help you give better feedback, give more genuine feedback, you know, hold yourself to a higher standard and hold others to a higher standard without making them feel like you're the person that tells a lot but doesn't lead by example. And that's what the whole purpose of the book is to lead from the front. So if you haven't already, go check out my book, Lead from the Front. You can find it on my website at www.kaispeaks.com. It'll be right there at the top. So Snagger Right, that was your first baby, right? Yeah. Okay. First one. Tell us about um that experience and what learning lessons you learned from, you know, kind of experimenting with Snaggerag, the success you had with it, mm-hmm. and how it kind of warmed you up into, you know, starting your next brand. Yeah, so my first way of getting into entrepreneurship was delivering do-rags in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So like it wasn't something that was huge. Like a lot of people want to start off with like these huge businesses and business ideas. For real, for real, I always tell people to start with a side hustle. Like for me, I was already working at a factory. I had just had a kid at eight. So I didn't get a chance to go to college. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have the opportunity to be like, oh, I, I did all these different things and I studied this and all. Like I had to go figure it out on my own. I think one of the best things is going through life and learning from experience is probably going to be one of your best teachers than a piece of paper or a document or learning from somebody who hasn't really done what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, you know, when I first started Snagrag. I literally was just in the car, like I was driving a 2009 Impala. Like I was like, man, I got to do something that's like different from what I'm already doing because nothing's working for me right now. I'm I, like, I wouldn't say I was bad with money, but I wasn't where I wanted to be at. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when it, like I was in the car with one of my friends. Shout out to Sydney, man. She like literally like a sister to me. Um, she was like, I think you should just like do something with do rags and i'm like like that's gonna be weird like if i start <laughs> posting stuff on instagram people gonna be like bro he lame and all this but she was like why does it matter what anybody else thinks of me and i'm like all right so like i went in there i bought like i think i bought 10 do rags and i had two colors i had five different colors and i had two of each of those colors and basically what i did was like i had all these do rags and i just got on instagram and i was like yo i got do rags right now i'll pull up on you right now i'm running a crazy deal this is my first time doing something like this so i had people hit me up instantly i'll probably say after like an hour or so i had a couple people and i sold all those do rags that same day and i profit like 40 dollars. but to me it was like you get paid 12 an hour from your job but you just made 40 dollars from an hour's worth of work mm-hmm. it, it was like like, okay, now I have something else that can work. So I just started going back and forth to these beauty supply stores. And basically the beauty supply store is about five minutes from my mom's house. And the guy who owned it actually spoke Arabic. Now, mind you, I lived in Egypt, so mm-hmm. I was able to speak Arabic with him, build a relationship with him. And he started letting me buy these do-rags for about $3 instead of $5 where he was selling it for. So mm-hmm. now what I did was I sold it at the same price that he was uh, that he was selling it at, but I was charging people a delivery fee. So basically, all right, I'll sell you this do-rag for $5, but I'm going to charge you $5 to come deliver it to you. Mm-hmm. So now instead of me profiting only $2, I'm profiting $7. Right. And now this is how I started working my way into like looking at profit and, and numbers and stuff like that. Because I'm like, if I can just get my hands on 100 of these do-rags and just get them off as quick as possible, I could probably make more money than my job would pay me in a week with half the time. You know what I mean? So that was really my my first way of getting into entrepreneurship. And then when I started realizing like riding around with like, I used to average probably about $200 a day, maybe like anywhere from 80 to $200 a day. I'm like, okay, I'm making more than what my job would pay me, but I'm keeping all of this money in a Ziploc bag inside of my armrest. So growing up in Cleveland, you just can't roll around with money like that, mm-hmm. especially when you start really building your, your money up and you start building up notoriety. You can't like move how everybody else would move. So what I did was like, I started moving all of that stuff online. Like I 
I literally stumbled upon a, a video on, Shop, on Shopify on YouTube, and this guy was like, in the next 13 minutes, I'm going to show you how much money we make in e-commerce um, while I teach you about e-commerce. And I'm like, okay, the only thing I can lose is 13 minutes of my life. Right. So I watched the video, and all I hear is cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And I'm like, bro, what is that noise like? And I, it sounds so satisfying. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look into Shopify. So I looked into Shopify, and um, I started learning about more about manufacturers on Alibaba. And then I was like, all right, bet. I'm going to just start here. I'm going to just buy this stuff in bulk. And now I'm buying it cheaper than what the beauty supply store was giving it to me for. So I was like, all right, I'm going to move all of my clientele online, and I'm just push everything online and just see how it go. And then I sat down. I came with, came up with, like, 15 different, like, business names, and then Snag Rag popped into my head. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Snag A Rag. And yeah. that was already something I was doing, delivering. Quick, it. Right yeah, here. so it was like, it was like, I felt like that was my God-given moment, like, idea from him. And I felt like I needed to elaborate on it. So I pushed everything online. And then our very first month, I think we did, like, around $3,000 um, in just revenue online. And I was like... Man, my job paid me like like eight hundred, seven hundred dollars a week. I'm like, look, I just made three thousand from selling do rags. All right, bet let's double down. And then I started doubling down after that. Mm. So uh, that's like the third time you mentioned you, you used the comparison too of like what you were doing with your own efforts versus mm. what you were getting from your efforts at this job. Yep. Like, how long were you once you started seeing the proof mm. that I have a process, I have a product that can sell, I have the concept. When did you transition out of the job or did you have some patience to where you were kind of like still working that job for some time? What was that process like? Man, honestly, I was always a hustler. So I was like, I'm not about to just quit my job just because I got something that's doing okay right now. Like until it started doing something like huge numbers to where it doesn't make sense for me to still be working, Mm -hmm. then that's when I would leave. And I ended up keeping that job. Um, I worked at a factory job. I left there and then I started selling cable at Sam's Club. Mm -hmm. And I was there for about nine months. And what I always tell people is like, if you ever really wanted to elevate through life, regardless of where you're at, you got to work your way up through the work system because how can you expect to be a a great boss, but you don't know how to be a great worker? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. So I learned how to be a great worker, but also I acquired different skill sets from these jobs. So when you work in a factory, you look at all of these different systems. They got assembly lines. They got shipping stuff out. They got all of these different systems. So I'm like, all right, this is how this factory works. This is how this business works. You move to the next business, sales. Okay, this is how this works. You got to understand your product. You got to understand it. Numbers, you got to understand how to hit people's pain points, what they currently don't like, and then what, what, uh, uh, they would like about the product that you're selling. So I learned all of these different things from these jobs and selling cars that taught me, you know, loans, interest rates, banks, credit. Like it taught me so much stuff about higher numbers and things that we actually do. Like your, your car is going to be probably your third or fourth biggest purchase in your life. Mm-hmm. So what I started thinking is, is like, okay, I'm gonna just take these skill sets and then it'll make me a better business owner when I actually get to that point. So I kept working that job and literally I think the only time that I ever wanted, really wanted to quit was like three months before I actually quit. And I was just because I was like I was making 20,000 a month off of Durags and it mm. was just like well what, what is the point of me sitting here making okay I was good at sales making four or five thousand from here when I'm profiting 10 12,000 from my Durag business what's the point of me standing here and right. then that's when I left my job yeah no I definitely get I, I didn't know that you was so I had a similar experience with the sales like yeah. selling the cable and the telecom mm-hmm. and the, uh you know the retailers and stuff like that yep. do you feel like even with the time that you was there, like that experience of learning sales, did you have another sales job before that? Or was that kind of like your first? That was my first one. So like, I, I love asking about sales. <laughs> Do you feel like the experiences you got as a sales rep kind of also made you better and smarter with 
you know, business when you did make that transition? If so, how? Absolutely. I think um, I started learning, like, you know, we have those scripts mm. and you got to understand the product. I started learning how to understand what I'm selling, but more importantly, understand how my customer is thinking. Mm. Like, they don't want to be approached by this dude that's wearing this jinky, you know, suit inside of Sam's Club. So I had to make myself unique in the way I was approaching people. And I think it's it's helped me a lot with my personality too. Mm -hmm. As I'm talking, like even when we're having conversations like this, being able to articulate myself in the way that I want to, if you're talking to hundreds of people every single day when you're doing sales, naturally you're gonna get better at communicating. And I think when people always say like they wanna be better at this and that, have you put in enough time into that craft to be better at it? And that's why I always tell people, sales was probably the number one thing that got me to where I am. Like hands down. I always tell people, why work these jobs where you only get paid 12 an hour, 13 an hour, when you can get paid 11 an hour plus commission, mm -hmm. but you make money based off of how much work you put in. Mm -hmm. And I always loved that concept because it was like, I make my checks now. If I go out there and I close five different deals, then my check is going to be higher than me just sitting out here for five hours. And like, they're not going to increase your pay just because you worked a lot harder at, at, at your job. They're not. Especially if it's just salary. Yeah. Especially if it's salary. Like, they're going to keep you at the same price so it's like you come into work and you're fired up you're ready to get work done you work 10 times harder today and you still get the same exact check but when you go into sales you work 10 times harder you come out with 10 times the results you make a 10 times bigger check mm -hmm. facts and i mean even speaking to that point <clears throat> i hear people say all the time like oh i'm not really sales is not for me mm -hmm. but i want to start a business right <laughs> they don't know how the business gonna make some money so like would you say that sales it can be something that everybody could learn? Could be a skill that everybody could learn. And if so, what's the best way to learn the sell, the skills of sales so that you can, you know, build a business and a brand based off of those experiences? I think every person can do sales, but I really feel like it will enhance your personality. Like I really feel like sales is really just an enhancer of personality and then also learning the skill set of sales. So I think if you're getting into it, it is, it's going to teach you how to like really learn a product. And then also you have to learn about pain points when you're in sales. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be able to overcome objections. You have to be able to address certain things that most people wouldn't say in front of somebody. So I think every person should at least try it. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to be great at sales, then you're going to try it over a period of time. Mm -hmm. Like, really, if you ever really wanted to be great at something, you have to start and then not finish and not and not uh, and not quit. Right. And that's the that's one of the biggest rules in anything. You want to be great at e-commerce. You want to be great at real estate. You want to be great at stocks and trading. Do it one time and then keep doing it and never quit. And then when you look up five years from now, you're going to be 10 times better than you were when you first started. Yeah. And I, I could see the similarities right now between <clears throat> sales and e-com and, mm -hmm. you know, sales and some of the funnels you might have created and yeah. stuff like that. What would you say, just looking back, something that you learned back from slinging that cable, right, to, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, now creating ads to maybe, you know, having your Shopify store, creating these like, um, you know, these call to actions. Yeah. Something that kind of like subconsciously made you better at that um honestly i would say just doing it over and over again helped me a lot but i would say number one thing that i learned from doing those things is that it's possible for anybody like i went from sleeping on the floor having a kid at 18 all of these different things happened to me just because that happened to you like just because you come from a certain place doesn't dictate where you can go in life mm -hmm. and that's one of the best things that i learned about sales e-commerce and all those things you dictate where you go based off the time and the effort that you put in so you can't really be mad at the results that you don't have from the work that you haven't put in Right. That's so. facts. If you had to start over, would you have done anything differently with uh, Snaggerack? Um, if I would have done anything differently, um, 
Yes, I, I probably for me, I would have explored my marketing uh, tactics better. Mm-hmm. I think there's certain ways of marketing that can stand out that can go a lot more viral than just having photo shoots and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, for example, there's this one, uh, this one guy on Twitter, he, he's like amazing marketer where he has like these do-rags and basically like they tie it it's like non-slip do-rags and non-slip bonnets and basically it's like he does all of these different things like um like he'll put a brick tie a brick onto the bonnet and then they'll walk with the brick and then you can see that the bonnet's not coming off marketing things that right. like i feel like for me marketing is really just finding a way to be remembered by the audience and mm-hmm. by your ideal customer and i feel like figuring out those different things earlier would have made me a lot better of an entrepreneur now but now that i'm still figuring those things out you're never going to be perfect but now that i figure these things out now is making me a lot more aware of how I can go about marketing now. Right. So like now would you say like your marketing tactics are more like disruptive or kind of like I mean I really I'm not even say I, I can't even say I'm familiar with like different marketing strategies. I mm-hmm. just mainly know like disruptive ads and disruptive yeah. marketing. What are the other types of marketing and what is, what have you discovered is like the best one that works for your business model? I think for me, storytelling has been the number one way of marketing for me, um, because when you document your process, people like buying from people, like especially from brands like we like buying from other people. And this is why they put influencers and rappers and all of those people mm-hmm. inside of that clothing, because you want to actually buy it because they're wearing it. Right. And I think storytelling has been the number one thing for me simply because it's been the main marketing strategy that I've used and I've seen success from. I can't really speak on all the other strategies because I haven't personally done every single right. one of them. Um, and I don't like teaching people things that I don't, I haven't done and mm-hmm. haven't seen success from. But what I would say is storytelling has been a great way for me to push my brand out there, but also get people to understand why they're buying this product from me. And then that's why people purchase so many different items from my brands is because they're, they're buying it from me. They're buying the meaning as well, but they're buying it more so because of the storyline. And I mm-hmm. think if you really learn how to articulate your story in a step-by-step way where people can like literally follow a path and then you are where you are now and when you get to where you're trying to get to they'll be able to document or they'll be able to go back and look and see okay he started here if he started here i can start here and then if i want to support i can support throughout that journey so i mean that's that's really a that's really some game right there test because i'm even thinking like how beneficial learning how to effectively tell a story yeah even works for those trying to build funnels right? yeah all absolutely. Of, like all a funnel system is like a process of you know, a story like mm-hmm. you got the beginning of the story, which might, you know, capture a 100 people's attention. And in the middle of the story might, you know, only catch 50 or, you know, and it kind of goes down that line. So the more skilled you are with telling stories, exactly. the better you are to like, you know, create that ideal net you know, to be able to find your target, you know, your target audience and that that avatar that you're looking for. Exactly. Um, transitioning a little bit into, you know, your, your current brand, you know, I'm well, your most recent brand, I should yeah. say. What were some of the red flags that you learned from Snaggerag that kind of helped you avoid making certain mistakes into One Love? And whether it's manufacturing or marketing and everything like that. Man, manufacturing, I'd probably say was the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned not to always just trust the manufacturer and then always have a backup manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're listening to this, you need two to three backup manufacturers because the reason I say this is if at any time they just stop responding, if at any time that they mess up your order one time and you keep using them, you're validating them doing something wrong for your business. And you're putting now the sole possession and the the ownership of your business in somebody else's hands. Mm. So always have a backup because if they mess up, you need to be able to switch and, and consistently keep moving. And I think when I like ran into issues with my manufacturers, like I paused and you like for me, slowing down the business and pausing the business is it healthy? Sometimes. It depends on what you're doing, like rebranding and stuff like that. That's different. But if you're like consistently trying to get more sales and you slowing down the brand, it's like 
you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If right. it's just manufacturers, you should already have a backup. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do when I teach my students is I like to give them a solution to a problem that has not yet occurred. So when it does occur, they already have the solution for it. So now it's not, I'm not pausing here. It's just, I'm transitioning and I'm moving down this path instead of just stopping at this red light and just sitting here because of this problem right here. So yeah, no, that's a, that's a good, I mean, so it's funny because I could see how backup plans could be beneficial, but it has its pros and cons, right? And when it comes to a business model, mm-hmm. you know, you when it comes to making that leap and that having that faith into this business, maybe a backup plan could take you away from that, right? Yeah. But when it comes to things what you mentioned, like having these different systems and people in place for that business, backup plans I can see the benefit of, like as you said, you know, not having to slow down, but also having that leverage too with Absolutely. pricing. Like you probably also leverage prices with oh. your manufacturers. Just like I yeah. got two, three others that could do it for this price. Yeah, can you match that price? If not, I'm gonna have to, you know, say what. I'm gonna give y'all my negotiating tactics, right? So like when I'm talking to these manufacturers, I'm always using that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm always saying, I have another manufacturer that can do it for this price. If you can't match it, I'm just gonna shop with them. Right. I'm gonna go go through my business with them, and for them, it's like they like. As much as we need manufacturers, they actually need us because they're making the money from us. We're just mm-hmm. getting the product from them. So I think when I started utilizing this way of kind of finessing the system on, on how you're, you know, going about negotiating and buying things. When I started doing this, I started getting my products at a way cheaper price, which means like I know a lot of people always want to increase the amount of money they make and profit that they make from increasing the price of products or right. just selling more. But what about just buying it for less? Mm-hmm. Like nobody talks about negotiating. Like this isn't where you walk into Walmart and they tell you your total is seventy six dollars. And 34 cents, you say, All right, I'll give you $70. Mm-hmm. Like, they're gonna probably kick you out the store, right? Mm-hmm. This is more so like car sales. Like, all right, you walk in there, you can negotiate the price, you can negotiate, try to get down to the payment you wanna be at, and then you can do the same exact thing with these manufacturers. And more, majority of the time, they're gonna go for it because they want the money. They're not gonna just let a customer walk away. Mm-hmm. So even if they budge just a little bit, you're still getting it for a little bit cheaper than what you would have gotten it for if you just never tried it. Yeah, and I think that like social media really plays a huge part in hindering people on how they think about yeah. those things because, you know, especially in the age where we was big on, you know, shopping, you know, with small businesses, black businesses, yep. and you have that that um, that mindset to where people feel like, why are you always trying to get a discount? Right? Yeah. People always talk, don't ask for discounts from just because they're your friends or just because it's a black-owned business if you wouldn't do that, you know, at Walmart or whatever. Exactly. But it's way different to where you buying in bulk or, exactly. you know, you coming with some cash, especially buying a car, right? Everybody mm-hmm. knows that the car salesman is favoring the person buying cash than the exactly. person who's trying to get a finance, you know, <laughs> like a loan. So it's yeah. like you got to just understand these different scenarios as you have and just know where you have leverage. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, you know, trying to ask for a discount just to ask for a discount. But still having that, oh, I'm trying to benefit you as well. Exactly. Like, if you can get it to me at this price, shoot, I'll look out and I'll buy, you know, a thousand dollars worth of product. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just saying, oh, let me get it for three dollars, and it's just like, nah. I'm gonna just shop with you like that. Man, I heard Alex Hermosi say this before. He was like, you know, when people ask for discounts, you can always tell them that you can charge them more. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would I give you a discount when I could charge you more than what I'm giving what I'm giving it for you right now? If the value is truly there and you truly want to buy it, then you're going to buy it at this price. I could just charge you more then because you're going to mm-hmm. want it anyways. So it's like 
for me, when people ask me for discounts, I really think about it like, are you spending? Now, there's different situations, though. If somebody like, say, like a influencer or something like that, like I've had people who like rappers and stuff like that buy a bulk amount of stuff. I'll give them a discount because they're buying so much stuff. But if you're buying one item and you asking me for a discount, what do I look like? I'm in a business for profit. And right. I think people forget that, like, we don't go into businesses just so we can say we have a business. We post our LLCs. You got a business bank account and you get on social media and you talk about it like it, we're not creating businesses for that we're creating businesses for profit mm-hmm. so you can profit put that money somewhere else like i tell people e-commerce is really just a vehicle i'm taking this money and i'm parking it in dividend paying stocks i'm parking it into other asset classes that can appreciate over time mm-hmm. because why would i why would i sit here and think that okay just because i have this one business that this is the only thing that's going to be able to generate me money mm-hmm. you buy a building a building is going to be able to pay you more than your business maybe right but it's still something passive. You get a property manager, you put somebody else on top of it to take care of everything, you passively making money. And our goal is for freedom. Our goal is to have freedom and is, is to have opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that, you know, there's other ways of doing things with this money. There's other things you can do with this money than just taking it and then going buy Gucci bags and right. Louis shoes. Like, why would you want a Gucci purse when you don't have a thousand dollars to put in the Gucci purse? Right. It don't make sense. And speaking of that freedom part too, right? So in the beginning with Snaggerag, mm-hmm. that was more so like you owning your own job. Exactly. Like you were still working, you you know, doing all these rounds, making all these trips to deliver the do-rags to where now I'm sure you have some automations behind to where like you really only got to pop in when you have to. Yeah. So like when did you start that automation in your in your in your brands and what was the best step that you made that kind of like allowed you to step into that automation phase to be able to give yourself some of that freedom? Man, I think the number one thing I could give any entrepreneur when you first, like when your business is seeing some success, Mm -hmm. the first thing you should be doing is hiring a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. Like you you can literally go to Fiverr, you can go to Upwork and you can hire somebody from the Philippines, pay them like four or $5 an hour and now have them be your customer service person. They can handle all emails. They can make sure that they handle all the DMs and all the comments that are coming on the page. Now, the reason this is important is because you're going to work, you're going to be, you're going to play every single role within that business. So you're, you're slowly trying to eliminate yourself from playing every single role, right. but you have to take it one step at a time. So I think when you get that virtual assistant, they handle customer service. That is probably one of the biggest portions that needs to be handled with care um, first. And when you handle that, then you start looking at other operations and other ways of automating that system. So, you know, we moved into fulfillment centers. Then we started getting social media managers. We started getting people to fulfill our orders. Like we, when we started doing all of these different things, I now eliminated myself from the business. Mm-hmm. And although I'm giving them a percentage or not even a percentage, but a, a, a chunk of the money that the business is making, I'm still profiting without me doing anything. And that's mm-hmm. probably one of the best things about e-commerce is that when you start this small business, whether it be a clothing brand, jewelry line, candle business, when you start seeing success from it, there's always a way to automate it. You can hire your little sister. You can hire your cousin. You can literally, I started from in the basement and in the trunk of my car. Right. So if I can start these ways, there's literally no reason that you can't start that way. But I think it's perception. Again, when we post these things on social media, we always think what somebody else is going to think of how we're running our business. When in reality, they probably broke. So why are you worried about what they're thinking of you? And if they're not paying you, then you in reality shouldn't even care what they think at all. And I love I love the the aspect of you mentioning, like bringing the family back into it. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to get back to that. But I really wanted to touch on the piece of you 
you know, talking about instead of always looking to increase your prices to make more profit, mm-hmm. look at the the bottom dollar and think how you can lower your expenses. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in that because we just had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with, you know, the power of having a budget. Yeah. And, you know, from the outside looking into it, it looked like you really had a, you started to have that success with your brands pretty quickly mm-hmm. and that momentum gained traction pretty quick as well. Yeah. And the faster you grow, sometimes, you know, for most business owners, we see their demise is the faster you're making money, the more money you start spending, right? Yeah, facts. So, Outside of just keeping your your prices low with the manufacturers, I'm sure you had like an urge and an itch to like get a virtual assistant. Now yeah. I'll get in this domain and that domain and this expensive. Like, how did you make sure you weren't moving too fast for your business to where you were taking these massive steps backwards? Um, I would say I'm very analytical when it comes to money. Like, I'm always trying to look and see where every dollar is going. So, like right now, I have 17 people that work on my team, and I have an accounting team that sends me on the 13th, 14th, or the 15th of every month. Mm. They send me my profit and loss. They send me my balance sheets. Like, okay. I'm I'm very analytical when I'm looking at these things because I need to understand where the majority of my money is going and is it giving me a higher return on my money than putting it elsewhere and if it's not then I need to cut down on that expense and I need to put it somewhere else where it's going to give me a higher return and I think budgeting is is very very important I was always good with money even when I was working jobs like when I made my first 20 when I saved my first 25,000 I was still working a job and still doing my do-rag business but it's like I had $10,000 from just working from my job so people don't know how to manage their money I think we are so like we're so accustomed to watching Instagram, looking at somebody's story, somebody's out kicking it, buying bottles, so now I want to go buy bottles, when in reality, you really don't have it like that to buy the bottles. So I think right now, I think if you were trying to be anywhere, like if you're trying to get a little bit farther than where you are right now, ask yourself how much money is coming into my account and how much money is going out of my account. Because most people in reality, if we're being honest, 85% of people don't know how much money they're truly making. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, or how much money they're spending. They, they have no clue. And then when you tell somebody, okay, well, if I if I gave you $10,000 to go look at your last 60 days bank statements, I bet you you would find another $1,500 that would have been able to help you pay rent. Instead of you waiting two days before it's time to pay rent, you calling your auntie, you calling your mom, you calling your dad, you calling your sister, asking them if you can borrow it. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they don't want to give you the money because you never paid them back from the last time you, they gave you money. Right. And that's the problem. Right. You, you, you show trends that you're bad with money. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, back to, you know, the family, because uh, even back to the family part, mm. I'm sure, you know, the dream for every entrepreneur is to be able to start a business that becomes the family business. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's super important in our communities with us having more family businesses, When cause, because when you walk in Walmart and you see all those brands, those brands represent a last name. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, you know, the more that we start to step into business, the more we have an opportunity to create brands that represent a last name. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to being able to communicate that vision to the family members that may not have the same, they're not blessed with the same vision as you are. How do you communicate that or how do you see the value that your family members can add to the business so that they can now see the vision and see where their role could be important and make an impact? I think it's, it's a part of it is operations, understanding how operations go. And I know this sounds like a big word, like operations, people thinking like all these different things, like operate the word operating. But really, it's just where can you fill in a person from your family in the business that is very simple, but they can learn over time. Right. Mm-hmm. So even when I first started, like um, 
like after about a couple of months when we started seeing like success like crazy it was starting to scale fast we had posts that were going viral on twitter and instagram i'm like okay well i need help with this because we were doing like we were doing about 500 orders a month and then on the day like we'd get 30 40 orders in a day and then having to fulfill them and then sometimes even black friday or something like that you do 200 300 orders in a day and then you're guaranteeing people shipping within the next 72 hours that's a hectic 72 hours so i would have my mom and i would have my little sister and even my older sister we would literally be in the basement packing orders and it was like i want them to see the success and where this could go right but i also don't want to force them to think that they need their own business because some people don't want a business and i had to understand that and then two you know I think it's important for us to realize too, sometimes our family don't wanna work in our business, they wanna own their own thing and do something like that. But that doesn't mean we can't automate our business and then when we pass, give them ownership of mm-hmm. it. So I think, you know, understanding operations, understanding where you could put family in and then always looking at, okay, paying them what you would actually pay somebody else. Just because they're family, I think a lot of business owners do this. Oh, my brother's gonna come work for me, so now I'm gonna give him $100 when I normally, if I had the same, if I had a different person working that same exact role, I'm gonna give them 600. Stop doing your family like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you build a business around, like, real core values when you're trying to do your family the wrong way just right. because of some money? And it's insulting, right? Especially if they know the market, they know their their worth, they know their value, and, and they get a sense that, okay, you just trying to pay me less just because I'm family. Exactly. That's insulting, and that would just kill the vision right there, mm-hmm. right? When, you, when it comes to, like, trying to get people to see the vision, you can't get people to see the vision when they know that you being shysty with the vision. Exactly. Right? Um, so you got to be able to share. Uh, transition just a little bit, Tess, because a lot of the millionaires who check in with us are professional side hustlers, right? Yeah. You know, got those <laughs> nine to fives, you know, that as rightfully so are not looking at these nine to fives as the end all be all. Yeah. You know, not looking at it as the only way to make some money. So, you know, they might be listening to this episode and be like, damn, I've been trying to start a clothing brand or any type of e-commerce brand, you know, for the longest. Mm-hmm. What is like the best way for a nine to five or to start transitioning into, you know, making money and making a living off of a clothing brand? Got you. So if you work a nine to five right now and you're seriously trying to start a clothing brand or any just any e-commerce business for real, for real I think the number one thing is look at what you currently love right now and try to sell that. And if it doesn't make sense for you to sell it, then find something that's trending already online. Now, for me, I teach a lot of people about clothing brands. So I think for clothing brands, I think finding inspiration behind where you come from, people around you, you know, lost loved ones. That's how we can find these different businesses that we want to start by looking at the things that inspire us and motivate us to keep moving Mm -hmm. forward. That is literally right around us. And I would say if you were getting into e-commerce, the first thing that I would do is first start doing some research first like go on YouTube you can literally go on my YouTube Dante's Akram you can literally go look at some of the videos that I make and I'll show you start with just a side hustle like just do this one foot in one foot out you're not really taking it seriously just yet until you start seeing some success or you start seeing that you actually like it Mm -hmm. and then I would say the second thing is once you create that business and you kind of understand where you're trying to go with it start trying to learn about marketing start reading books like even if you don't want to read books there's multiple YouTube videos online where you guys can watch and learn about marketing and strategies and all of these different things so I would say go that route as well and then start looking into Shopify like Shopify is literally the biggest platform right now when it comes to online business owners like majority of people are not buying in person no more like this is why brick and mortars and and like these bigger stores they've been on a steep downhill trend since 2001 and it's like it's it's showing because people are buying online more than ever so why would you not start an online business why would you not just start something so I would say jump into it with confidence knowing that okay this is already something that's going up i just need to find my way to put myself on this rocket so i can go up with it right and what type of what type of mindset do you have to be into 
have that confidence, but still only be like one foot in, one foot out. Because some people may say like being one foot in, one foot out could, you know, hinder growth, you Mm -hmm. know. But then also you see on the same side of that coin where the mindset and the ideal of having to go all in is the reason why most people don't go in at all yeah. because of having to go all in while still having mouths to feed. It's nine to five. Some people even work in 10, 12 hour shifts and stuff like that. So what does the mindset look like? Where does a person have to be in their mind to have confidence in something, but still also be able to say, I'm going to be one foot in one foot out. I think you have to have resilience and then you also have to have a why. Mm-hmm. So, like, just because you're working 9 to 5 don't mean you can't work 7 to 12, right. 7 to 10. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's no re- you shouldn't put stipulations on yourself just because you're putting in a certain amount of hours at somewhere else. You're literally building somebody else's dream. So why would you not put some of that time, some time out of your day to build yours, right? Mm-hmm. And I would tell people, like, if you're working 9 to 5, like I said, don't, don't solely work that 9 to 5 just because you're getting money from it. Look at what you're learning from that 9 to 5 mm-hmm. and then adapt that same traits and the same skill sets that you just learned to your business and now build that business because you working from seven to 10 after your nine to five is what's going to allow you to live your life the way you want to live in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people just stay consistent with it. Even if you're one foot in and you're one foot out, at least you're doing something that majority of people don't have the confidence to do. So you have to have a why as well. Like to do something that the majority aren't doing, there has to be a reason why you're doing it. And you may have a daughter, you may have a son, you may have a family, you may have people that's counting on you. That has to be your motivation at all times because there's no reason that, there's there's no way on God's green earth am I going to stop what I'm doing because at the end of the day, I know my daughter has a plate on the table and it requires food on it. Right. And I'm never going to stop what I'm doing. Right. And I, I love that you mentioned that why. It, it has to be bigger it has to be deeper it has to have some type of spiritual connection to why you do the things that you do and to your point like a lot of people do go into not just jobs but even into starting a business Mm -hmm. just with the idea to make money yeah and when you chase money tez as you know i'm sure like chasing anything is exhausting absolutely so when you got this nine to five and the point is just to make some money and you chasing a dollar when you come home guess what happens you exhausted. Yeah. All you want to do is come home and binge watch Netflix and That's it. you know, listen to music, not do anything. Mm-hmm. So that it becomes harder to then come from that nine to five and then maybe work a six to ten yeah. on your own personal because you spent all your effort chasing a dollar to yeah. where if you're looking at that nine to five, you naturally get energy knowing that that nine to five paid you mm-hmm. and paid you in a skill yeah. or a resource or a connection. Like so I'm glad that you brought that point up and well, again, back to the mindset. I love mm. applying mindsets yeah. and just ways that people should think. Now transitioning and knowing this, how should people start now looking at the job outside of just to make a buck? Now, again, some people might be in dead end jobs. Some people might be in a job right now that is worth nothing but, you know, just to pay the bills right now. Yeah. But should they start transitioning into employment and What's the best way to look at, okay, this next job, what can I get out of it? How right. can I, how can it get me to where I'm trying to be next? Uh, think of your job as just a vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're learning these skill sets. And I think a lot of people forget too, the more qualified you are on your resume, the more money you're going to be able to make. Mm-hmm. So the more you stack your resume up over a time, over a period of time. And I, I, I understood this probably at like 19, cause I didn't go to college. So I had to go out into the real world and figure right. shit out. So I think what I would tell people is this, your resume, building that resume up is going to allow you to make more money. So when you start looking at, okay, 
like for me example when i turned 19 i was actually 19 and a half um i got a marketing development manager role under my resume because that's what i did for a couple years and i was able to train people i was able to uh, hire people at 19 so imagine you coming in and you're sitting at a table and i'm 19 and i'm sitting there with a suit on and everything and i'm you're auditioning to work with us Mm -hmm. and it's like you learning that now when you go to another job and that's on your resume now they're like okay well we can't just pay him a a small amount because he's actually done stuff that's more valuable in a company so work your way up through like work your resume up make yourself more valuable because now you're acquiring all these different skill sets then when you present it to a different job that may be able to give you a different skill set and may be able to you know beef your resume up a little bit more so you get paid more now you're a little bit more um, seasoned to go with that business Mm -hmm. And then the more you make, the more you make for your business. Exactly. The more you can make for the actual end goal, the why, the big what. Right. Exactly. So I'm imagining now because from the outside, again, outside looking in, it would seem like starting a business based on like fashion and clothing lines, especially when you got social media. Right. In, mm-hmm. in the picture, it would seem like it's very saturated. Yeah. How does somebody, you know, beginning, you know, just starting from scratch, not having a big personal brand or a huge Instagram following already? How do they get into that industry um, and, and still be able to have some type of originality and, you know, set themselves apart from everybody else that's doing it? I think the one reason I love my industry is because there's so many unique ideas like fashion is like fashion has been around for the longest right and i think the one thing that people think about i know people think you know saturated and stuff like that but people are gonna buy clothes like Mm -hmm. that that's just the reality of it right we this is a form of communication for humans we wear certain stuff to communicate to others our value and we communicate these things by driving cars jewelry the type of clothes that we have on right and i always tell people like when they think things are saturated you walk inside of a walmart and you see all these different water bottle brands but you don't think it's saturated right and there's still more water bottle brands that are being made so what i would like to tell people for those of you who are watching is like don't think it's always saturated just ask yourself how can you be unique right so you when you go into this space even if you don't have a large amount of following use other things around you right like there's if you don't have a large amount of following find somebody else who does you may have a friend who has a big following put them in your clothes and have them wear it and tag your brand Mm -hmm. or you may be able to go like uh, for like like, for for the majority of people who don't have those type of friends you can literally go to bro.io like b-e-e-r-b-e-e-r-o-l-l.io right you can literally go find creators who already have followings, who already have an audience, you can literally send them items and then they'll make content in your stuff. And then if they post it on their page and it goes viral, now you start getting some following. Or if you post it and you run an ad to it and now you're able to get more sales, you're still able to utilize somebody else's audience. So I would prioritize looking at how you can use another person's audience to really get the type of following and the type of sales that you want. And then also understanding advertising as well, because what I realized is the more eyes you get on an opportunity that somebody may like, the more chances you get at getting that sale. Right. That makes sense. So it's more so just switching gears from a a scarce mindset to an abundant mindset. Absolutely. Because it it makes sense. Like fashion, it it ain't going nowhere. Just like real estate ain't going anywhere. (laughs) People got to buy clothes. People got to buy shoes for their feet. People Mm got to buy a house to live in, you know, a roof over their head. So these things not going anywhere. And once you switch gears to that that abundant mindset, it's just about now figuring out where you fit in. Exactly. And that goes into having that why and, you know, being able to stay firm on that. Um, you brought up a good point of using other people's markets yeah. and, you know, uh, using the influence of other people. Would you say that that is probably like the main uh, method that will work for people who don't have that 
uh, that influence already kind of like trying to find like micro influencers and influencers to like send their products to yeah I, bro TikTok is booming right now yeah. like you could literally if you're just starting out a clothing brand and you really have no following you could literally go on TikTok somebody may have had a recent viral post or may even if they have over 25,000 followers on TikTok like people put all these stipulations they need to have 100,000 followers they need to do, like 9 times out of 10 if they have all those followers they probably have other people already reaching out to them mm-hmm. so look at the smaller pages because you never know even like for real for real if I'm being honest with y'all if you get 10 sales from one post you're gonna be happy right because that would have been 10 sales that you wouldn't have got mm-hmm. so I would start reaching out to these younger people on TikTok there's kids right now that are going ballistic on TikTok right now and going viral and people are buying products from them like there's a kid that all he does is review toys and stuff like that and he makes like 20 million dollars a year <laughs> like on YouTube it's crazy like that, it's crazy there's so many different ways you can make money and succeed with a business but people aren't thinking outside the box and I will always tell people go to TikTok right go look at those people who trending go look at the things that are trending the sounds and stuff where they originated from try to see if that person can uh, wear your stuff or you know use your product and then just staying unique like I said like always thinking outside the box and always trying to you know find different ways to get your business out there it's not going to be easy like in reality people want this lifestyle because it's not something easy they can obtain right mm-hmm. like you want a Lamborghini you want a Rolls Royce you want the jewelry you want the girls you want all these things because it's hard to obtain right and you wouldn't really necessarily want it if it wasn't hard so you have to actually tell yourself like this is gonna take some time like I'm gonna take some time and then I'm gonna have to put some real effort in and then I can't I can't like get tired of failing like I have to fail over and over and over I have to fail as fast as possible Mm -hmm. so I can know exactly what doesn't work because it's similar like if there's five different roads in front of you and you go down all four of these roads well guess what you just learned all the four roads that don't work and now you don't go down them again right now you just learned what not to do and you learned what to do. Will Smith said something similar to that. It's like fail fast and fail forward. Exactly. It's like you never want to really fail backwards. You want to fail so that you can hurry up and learn what not to do again. Exactly. Um, so as far as like scaling, uh, I'm sure that a lot of failure comes in with ads, like yeah. Facebook ads and stuff. Like how if you could give advice to speaking to the people right now, like if you can give advice, any advice about failing in that ad space because most people are scared to spend a dollar mm-hmm. for an ad just to flop and not work at all. Yeah. What would be some advice that you can give to people that are doing that test that are in that testing phase and really scared of Facebook ads altogether, but just know that they have to do it. What would be some advice you would give them? Um, I would tell them for real, for real, like, it's going to take money to make money. Like mm-hmm. it's going to take money to make money. Like if you're trying to get the amount of eyes you want, Organically, it's definitely possible. I have a bunch of friends who are doing it, but they're very, very talented, and they have some God-given t- uh, like gifts behind it, and then yeah. also some luck behind it as well. Um, but if you're somebody who's getting into the ad space and you're really nervous about it, when I first got in, like I wasted probably like three or four thousand. Like I'm not gonna lie, but I learned what not to do with that three or four thousand. So moving forward, when I make another, you know, when I make my more more money, I know what not to do with that that money now. So what I would tell people is start asking yourself, what is your ideal customer? Who's your ideal customer? What is that avatar look like and when you're on these Facebook ads platforms or TikTok like this avatar actually go in depth and understand what they look like right like what type of stuff do they like to see on social media like these are called demographics and interests on mm-hmm. Facebook ads so when you start understanding okay they like to watch Jay-Z they love loving hip-hop like these are different interests that we tried out for my clothing brand because I understood my ideal avatar is African-Americans who want to represent love for their family or whatever craft they have so where are these African-Americans at well nine times out of ten they like 
like LeBron James. They like Michael Jordan. They like brands like Gucci. They like all these different things. So I'm targeting all of them. And then I'm only spending $100 a day to test it. And then you have a budget before going in. So let's just say for somebody out there who doesn't really have $100 a day to spend on ads, then start with 50 a day. Mm-hmm. Start with 30 a day. Like there's no, there's no right way to do it, right? Like I would just try these different things out, understand your avatar, and write down every single thing about your avatar. Like literally, if you don't know what books they like, the food they like, like you can target fast food restaurants and stuff like that. Like, but more importantly, focus on the influencers, focus on the, the articles or the, the, the labels that they may be listening to or the artists that they listen to. So you can kind of understand this is the ideal person. And then all I have to do is create an ad or create some content that resonates with this person. So when now when they see it, now they're more willing to click the link on my bio. And then after that, on the website, your website should always be clean. Like I think people think that they need the best looking website possible. No, it needs to be clean and quick. Like I want people to go on my website and get off of there as quickly as possible after they purchase, yeah. unless they're they're taking an upsell or something like that. So that's a, that's a gem for people out there as well. Is like if you have a business and you're already getting some sales, thirty percent of people are more willing to take the same exact thing if you offered it again to them right after they bought it. Mm. So offering, say like you have hoodies, right? Like, for example, we dropped like this white uh, Love the Hustle hoodie, right? Then when people purchase it, there was an upsell page. So right after they bought it, now, hey, you can now get the matching shirt with it. Or you can get two hoodies with it. Or, hey, you want one for your girlfriend? We got one for you. Like offering these different things and 30% of people going to take it. So you're missing out on thirty like a 30% chance of somebody else taking something else because you're ignorant to knowing that upsells actually work and stuff like that. So right. there's different things that work. And I feel like a lot of people just need to explore more. Just explore. Explore more yeah. and just play with it. Yeah. So when it comes to like the ads, how do you once the results are in, how do you know what you're looking for? Like how did you like what did you start to identify in your ads that like, okay, I'm looking at this, what do I do with this information? Like, yeah. How do you know what you're looking for and then how to apply it for the next time? So analytics are important when you're looking at ads. Um for me it took a long I ain't gonna lie, it took a long time to like really understand mm-hmm. it. But it was also because like I was dabbling in it. So if you really sit down, I, I strongly urge if you're a new business owner, you're serious about really building a business, sit down and watch some some Facebook ad videos for ten hours. Like most people don't put ten hours of time into a craft or ten hours of time into learning something so they're not as good as they think they like as, as good as they could be if they just put those hours in. So I would sit down and understand all of the different metrics that go into, you know, running ads. So you got CPMs, like all of these different things are going to sound weird. I don't want to overcomplicate it. But basically what I'm looking at is my return on ad spend, right? That's one of the most important things I look at is for every dollar that I spend, how much am I making back, right? So for us, for example, when we first started out, we had an ad with me and my daughter and it went like viral already. So I'm like, the organic post went viral. I'm like, let me throw an ad behind it. So I started spending, putting money on it because if people liked it already and it was going viral, then all I need to do is keep putting more eyes on it. That was it. And as I started spending more money on it, I started realizing like for every dollar that we were spending, we were making back around $4 per dollar that we were spending. Mm. So if we're quadrupling our money, all I have to do is keep doing the same exact thing. And then also on top of that, when you see analytics like that, now you know something's working. So now you go back and you look at that ad and you say, okay, what worked the most? For me, it was family, right? So for One Love, our, our brand is really family orientated. So I started thinking like, okay, nine times out of 10, I started thinking like, how am I quadrupling my money in the first place? Like you have to ask yourself these questions. And I started looking at my orders and I'm like, oh, people are buying multiple items out of my brand per like on average, people were spending around 200 $300 because they wanted matching outfits with their family. So now I offer them kids sets, I offer them the women's sets, and then I offer them the men's sets. So now there's no reason, like for example, we had somebody spend $700 recently, but they bought like two two colors for their kids, two colors for themselves, and two colors for their girl. 
Mm. Now you're like, oh, now I'm able to make more money per per order because if they have a family, now they're going to want to buy those things for their family as well. And that's how we started looking at analytics. Then we started looking at the ad itself. Okay, more family posts. We're going to start sending our stuff to people who have families. Right. Or we're going to urge people like we'll give a discount. Like, for example, we have like a discount card where basically if they post us on their social media and they use this discount, they'll get another uh, code. But if we really like their post, then we'll post them on our page. And one thing I realized is like people love to like if they're not used to any fame or if they're not used to like clout or anything like that or being posted by a bigger page they're gonna love it when you do it so I think for smaller brands repost those smaller people like of course high quality pictures and things like that matter but in the beginning you gotta start with something right Mm -hmm. you gotta show your customers what other people are like wearing your outfits with right and that's how we started off and that's how we like looked at our Facebook ads you know we looked at those analytics we looked at the ad we looked at what's working we do more family posts now it works even better now we're just figuring things out that work and then things that don't work and then you just keep you know elevating after that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so now really once you identify that you just start targeting families in just different areas exactly. did you figure out like which uh like which cities work best like too as well yeah so we were able to look at analytics as well so uh when we're on facebook as this is a gym for those of you out there um we always target united states unless you're drop shipping right we teach uh drop shipping as well if you're drop shipping then you really want to primarily uh target like canada united kingdom united states um like the big three Honestly, big three, big five, you can, whatever one you want to choose, you want to target those big three or five countries, and then you can drop ship from there. But for us, for clothing brands, if you're a clothing brand owner, nine times out of 10, we're focused on the United States and Canada. And we have a lot of orders going to Canada. Like, for me, I didn't understand why we were having so many orders go to Canada, but it was like, people have families, period. Like, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world, they're going to have families. So they're going to buy from a brand that is family oriented if that's what they want to do. So for us, it was just like understanding where our demographic was. Like, for example, Atlanta was probably one of our biggest cities that were buying from our brands. And I didn't know this until probably like a year ago after our brand had already did six figures. I'm like, I wonder who's buying the most. And then I just just so happened to go back and look at our analytics. And I'm like, oh, shit, Atlanta, like they, they really must with your boy. So then now when you when you know analytics like this, say like, you know, your top five cities now go do pop up shops in front of those cities. Mm. And now guess what? Now you start bringing those people in real life to your brand. They're going to shop with you. But now since you're the CEO, you're building this notoriety around this brand brand like they're like I wouldn't say like they're mesmerized by you or anything like that but they really respect you because now you're the owner and they wearing your stuff it's like wow I really get to like meet the person I bought this from and now they start feeling some type of way about it and then this is how you build real community like people ask me like would you rather have five million dollars or a hundred thousand loyal customers I will always tell people a hundred thousand loyal customers because if I can sell if I could drop something once a month and sell it to a hundred thousand people for twenty dollars every single month I'm gonna make way more than five five million right so stop always looking at uh, this certain amount of money. No, build community, build brand. That's going to take you a lot farther. And then, too, if you got 100,000 loyal customers and you tell all 100,000 of them after they bought to post it on their social media and tag your brand, how many more followers do you think you'll get? Mm-hmm. And even, like, the difference between followers and, and, and fans or customers anyway, I think a lot of people, when it comes to content, put out content for the views put out content for followers and are dropping the ball by not focusing on putting out content that's based on their avatar so that they can build that community build an actual following build an actual fan base and then convert that fan base into customers because as you said that goes a lot farther than just having people looking at your stuff Mm -hmm. but it's not converting exactly I think people are more worried about metrics like likes and stuff like that than what it will be able to do for a person after they see it and how it's going to make them feel Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. like when we when we looked at stuff like even for us even with one love like as we regear for our rebrand and we're doing all these different things we're looking at like all the different aspects of how we can go about content and we're not focused on metrics we're focused on when somebody sees this how do they feel and i think a lot of people forget this like for clothing brand owners that are out there right i think we forget about the experience that somebody has when they un when they un when they unbox the stuff that you just sent them Mm -hmm. so when it comes with confetti and it comes with like three cards and it comes with a really well packaged um like it's well packaged order now they're like wow like i really like this like even for me like i have people send stuff to my p.o box a lot of my students um because since we own the number one clothing brand server discord server literally they send me stuff from their p.o box i mean to my p.o box and i just wear their stuff and i post it on my social media this is just something that i do to contribute to my community and i feel like when you do stuff like this now you're putting more eyes on little smaller businesses as well but when you unbox these things now i'm able to critique some of my students now because if you just sent me something and the back the 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 bag is kind of ripped and it's not really labeled well Mm -hmm. and things like that now i can tell you you fix this nine times out of ten you're going to be able to retain more people so for a lot of people experiencing that unboxing is going to be a good thing for you guys to focus on like put those confetti in there if you want to put multiple cards in there put another business card in there if you want to like do extra things and make somebody feel some type of way so I think a lot of new business owners as well, they don't look at customer retention, right? Which is how many people after they buy, how many people come back over a period of time to buy again? Mm. And for us, it was around 30% because we were not only sending them well-packaged stuff, and then also this is a family-orientated brand, but when they experienced how well it was to unpackage it, now they're like, wow, this is what it feels like to be a part of the One Love community. All right, bet. I'm going to shop again, and this this is what I can expect to receive um, when, I, when I shop with them. And if you're able to increase the amount of people who are able to come back and purchase from you, now you're creating a real community that can purchase from you during your drops. Mm. Like we, the People ask us like how we did for Forty thousand on one of our drops is solely because we we took advantage of the data that was given to us so the emails and phone numbers we were hitting those people up a week in advance promoting that drop then on top of that the people who purchased from us before we sent them out a link a day after we dropped so now we're getting the additional sales where they were now able to use the custom link to get a custom discount code because they purchased from us already so now using all of these different things and using these different data points and stuff like that it helps your business grow a lot more efficiently but more importantly helps you build a community better right that's facts and I'm even sure just thinking about the downsides of people not knowing like which kind of like um, distrib- uh, distributor they're using, mm-hmm. right? Because if you drop shipping products and you're using like a, a, like a one size fits all type of distributor, yeah. you don't really have control over how it's being packaged and, and sent to your customers. Exactly. And that's why I tell people like drop shipping, <laughs> like drop shipping is great if you're doing like trendy products, right? Like say, for example, if this was a plant that could talk or something like that, then that would be something great to post on TikTok and then push it out there, right? But for a lot of people, what we forget is that, you know, drop shippers, they always show like, you know, the revenue, the, the sales and numbers. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, I'm never the type of person to hate on anybody like you do what you do i do what i do right mm-hmm. but it's also you have to take in consideration when you're drop shipping you have no control over how somebody's going to feel when they receive these products right. unless you're buying it in bulk from the supplier as like drop shipping like the method is you buy it in bulk and then you put it inside of a fulfillment center and then they ship out all the orders and you can do this with one product you can do this with multiple products like even for my brands like for a period of time we had it in a fulfillment center and they were literally shipping out everything on top of handling customer service on top of making our content for social media so that was like a whole well packaged thing you could do the same exact thing regardless of what business it is whether it's clothing brands like I said all the other e-commerce brands you can do the same exact thing you just have to understand all the stuff before you get to that point because it's not free to do that. Right. 
Definitely not, definitely not free. <laughs> no, and, it's not free. And most people say free is for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's when they just, just go back into what's easier, which is just to drop shipping one product at a time. They buy it. They ship it. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't really have that effect to what you're saying, like making people feel a certain way. Right. And I mean, I mean, even just on looking back at, you know, the numbers that people put with, with uh, drop shipping, you know, you never really see what the retention looks like either. Exactly. It could just be a one and done. Like it could. OK, it's cool that you did like 40,000 this this month. Um, but what if what happens if you don't if you're not as consistent with ads and, that's what I'm saying. you know, the, the post not hitting and you only do 10,000. That's why we that's why I focus on brands. Like although we, we we're heavily focused on clothing brands, we're focused on e-commerce brands in general, because if you build a brand around nutritional items and stuff like that, once they run out of that stuff that they get, they, they're going to buy again, mm-hmm. which is why like nutrition and stuff like that is such a, a booming business to have right now, especially in e-commerce, because if you're selling weight loss pills or something like that and then it actually works for somebody, they're now more likely to refer it to somebody else. And then they're now more likely if they gain weight again to come back to you because mm-hmm. that's what worked for them. So we build brands because, number one, we own the asset, which is the data. Right. Like the number one thing I can tell you is that your customers emails and their phone numbers. Like, for example, when Facebook and Instagram went down for like I think it was like a couple hours. Uh, it was like a couple months ago. The whole platform went down. Right. And everybody jumped on Twitter. Twitter was going crazy. We didn't jump on Twitter. We hit our email list like, yo, subject line, Instagram down. What? Here. And then when you put here, they're thinking like, what is it? What's in this email? So when we put here, they open the email. We had a high open rate because now there's nothing distracting them from going on to this, uh, clicking this link. And then majority of people, if they don't have a Twitter, where else are you going to go outside of Instagram? And TikTok wasn't really booming yet. So it was like, okay, where are these people going to go? And then they clicked on that. They went to our website. We had a sale. And our sale was like, Instagram is down. So now we're going to give you this discount. And we gave people 20% off. And we did like 10000 yeah. And it was just like, that was easy money that we, we just capitalized on something that happened. That majority of people were just thinking like, Oh, I don't know what to do right now. My business is down. This is why we own the data. So mm-hmm. we can always extract money from the, the information that we have. And then on top of that, we want to be focused on being remembered. I don't want to sell somebody a plant and then they never remember who my brand was. Mm-hmm. But when I sell somebody my clothing, now they not only know who I am, but they know the brand as well. And they're going to more more likely remember the brand than just buying one product, using it two, three times, and then just throwing it away. Right. Facts. And I, uh, just kind of speaking on the email, like the data, the email marketing and stuff like that, that is uh, that is a tool in an area that I think most people overlook yes. and underappreciate too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you start now, let's say you don't have the brand yet, mm-hmm. but you want to like start with that email. Like, Are there ways for you to build an email list without having necessarily like the brand fully built out yeah. and products to sell? Yeah, so here's a huge gem. Uh, I actually never talked about this on the podcast. That's actually crazy. It just popped into my head. Um, a huge gem is before you drop your brand, right? You can build your Shopify store. Like you, it may not even be built, but you can just start your Shopify store online, right? And then what I would do is I would download this app. It's called um, uh, Countdown, right? So now what happens is, is although your website isn't built, Countdown allows you to download a template on the Shopify, and this is the cover of the website. So instead of people typing in your website and then it's saying the store is not available, at least there's a countdown now that says we're we're going to launch in one month, or we're launching in two weeks, or launching in seven days. So now they see the countdown, but at the bottom. They're able to put in their email. Mm. So now, since your business isn't up and running yet, you're still able to push people to not only the social media page, but push people to the website and then extract some type of data from them. So this is how we were able to get like our first 
excuse me, like three or 400 followers or uh, not followers, uh, 300, 300 to 400 emails is by pushing my following to go to our website, put their email in, and then now you can, you can kind of categorize it and market it as joining our VIP list. So when we do drop, we're going to send you an exclusive uh, discount link when we drop. And now you're able to build this list up. And then on top of that, your business doesn't seem like it's unprofessional because there's a countdown timer. It's simple. Countdown, we, we launch here. So now they know when you launch. And then on top of that, you put your email here, we'll notify you and we'll give you a discount. And then this is how we were able to rack up so many emails. And then with the with those emails, you own it forever. So it's like you doing that and you promoting it consistently, like before your drop, you never know how many emails you can get. Right. Facts. Man, I didn't I had no idea Shopify had a, a feature like that with the countdown. Yeah, it's an app. It's a Shopify app. It's countdown timer. So you can literally look it up, download it. I'm talking like they have templates. All you do, do bro, if you know nothing about Shopify, you click one template. Put the timer and the date on when you're going to launch, put the email address and link it to MailChimp. And MailChimp is where you're going to save all of your emails. There's other ones like ConvertKit. Um, there, there's so many, Clavio. There's so many different ways you can save that data. But linking it somewhere and then when people put that email in, they click uh, enter, yours now. And you can use that for so many. Like I'm thinking like how can you use that? I mean, you mentioned the word a, a dozen different times, but you can use that just to build a community, Literally. whether you're selling clothes or not. Like if you're just trying to build a coaching community or mm-hmm. just a, a book club community, like you can use that for anything right now. That's yeah. that's big. That's that's a gem. It's, it's some sauce behind that, too, because like a lot of people didn't notice. I never talked about this on any podcast as well. It's like when we started Snagarag, we had uh, I think or not after we started when we started scaling it. And before I started One Love, I think we had like 26,000 email subscribers. So what I did was I'm like, I need to use this data because people are obviously buying from my Durag brand. I need them to buy from my clothing brand as well. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we made an email that said, hey, we're starting our sister clothing brand, One Love. And then when we sent that email out, now we had a bunch of people following the social media page. But now when we dropped, we sent it to that email list again. Like, hey, our sister store is having a sale. Go make sure you cop some clothing. And then if you also get some clothing, we'll throw in a free Durag. So now I'm increasing my sales drastically. I'm building this brand extremely fast. So people thought like, yeah, we have viral posts that help grow the brand, but it was also me using the asset of another brand from my own business and using that email list and pushing this other brand and marketing it as a sister brand. So now it's like, oh, he already owns this. He just dropped this clothes. What? And then they look at the clothes if it's fire or not. You know what I'm saying? Then they gonna want to shop with you depending on if they like it or not. Man, I hope, I hope the team. I hope the team is getting some notes back there. Cause <laughs> he, he dropping some gems right now. That yeah. like I said is. Like you could duplicate that for any type of brand, any type of product, any type of service. That's some game right there, Tess. And so uh, you mentioned a couple of your students, how they send you products and things like that. And I do want to touch on the success that, you know, your students have. I even follow a couple of your students on IG mm. um, and, and check out some of their brands. And they're pretty dope, you know, pretty dope brands. Uh, I could definitely tell that they're your students because yeah. you, you can see some of the mirroring and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some inspiration uh, going. What would you say some of the characteristics and similarities that your students have that have had the best results? Man, I think they had like a like a resilience to like not quit. Like that's the one thing that I look at. Like if I were to like like, for example, I brought people on as mentees and I never charged them anything because I truly believed in their vision. And I think 
that just goes to show personality and traits and things like that. But I think for majority of my students, they never quit. Like the ones that are very, very successful, nine times out of 10, the difference between like most people are here right now and they're trying to get here. The difference between you getting here is information. And when I see something like that, it's like, I'm going to give you the information because I want you to succeed. Because at the end of the day, if you make money, that doesn't mean it's taken away from me making money. So I would give them this information. But as far as like my students, they have like, they, they, they want to eat, like they want to eat, they want to get it. You know what I mean? And they, they don't stop for nothing. And if there's a roadblock, you know, this is, again, why we created Limitless Investments. It's the number one Discord uh, server for clothing brands. You come in there, you have a problem. We, we, not only my team, but other people who are doing six figures plus on their clothing brands or e-commerce businesses in general, they'll assist you. Like, hey, we think you need to change this. Like, even sometimes during our classes, since we give classes every single day of the week, it can be on trading and sports betting and all those different things. But in e-commerce, we sometimes give people feedback on their websites. So sometimes that's the only thing somebody needs. You need to change this, this, this. You need to add this app, right? For example, I had a student, he was doing right around 10000 a month. And he's like, man, I'm really trying to hit my first $25,000 a month. So I went on his website and I'm like, okay, what don't you have? There's no pop-up for email or uh, for text messages. So now you, you're not even extracting the one of the most important parts about uh, of your customer's data is the phone number. Because more people are willing to check their phone or their text than their email. So I told him to add this app called SMS Bump. And basically what it allows you to do is automate all of your text messages. So somebody abandoned carts, um, if they don't purchase something now, you're going to automatically have a text being sent out. But but when you send that text out, it only costs you a penny. Mm. So if you're able to send something out to somebody because they got distracted, they got on the phone because they were about to buy, right? They got distracted. They didn't get a chance to buy. You send out a text five minutes later, and then you send out another automated text one hour later, and then another one six hours later, and then another one 24 hours later. The 24-hour one is going to have a discount. So now if they don't buy on the five, the one hour, the six hour, or the 12 or the 24, they damn sure are going to buy it on the 24, right? right? They're going to get the, the discount. Exactly. So SMS Bump is definitely a huge app that I would tell people to download and start utilizing because now you're able to increase the amount of people who are buying from you if they were to forget. And now you spend one penny, somebody spends $100, who knows the ROI on that? Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's invaluable. So when he added it, then he did like 30000 like two months later, but now he was able to build that text message list. So when he does his drops, now he does like six, 7000 on a drop, and that's now good money for a 21-year-old. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, oh, shit, I just made 6000 7000 a day off of one drop, and now you got all these orders, and then you market it like, okay, look, we just had a drop, we fulfilled all of the orders, and now we taking pictures in our orders. This is what we do mm. and this is how i teach my students more game man sauce <laughs> man, that, that's that's some game right there that's that this is a real million dollar conversation because Absolutely. you know people could like i said apply this to anything and duplicate it to several different brands and businesses that they're establishing right exactly uh and it, it kind of just it's like a one size fits all type of formula mm-hmm. uh, you just kind of make a little bit of tweaks you know that again appeals to that target market and that avatar that you mentioned but other than that it's ready to go exactly so Tez we about to switch gears a little bit because um, we entering our rapid fire round let's do it and uh, I like I like this round because it just kind of switch gears a little bit we kind of just you know changing up the topics you mm-hmm. know it's going to be five topics that have nothing to do with what we just talked about right so all right, cool. random questions just to loosen up you know lighten up the mood have fun be brief be brilliant but most importantly have some fun with it okay all right let's do it coolio so the first question is would you rather go far or go fast i would rather go far because the reason i would rather go far is you going fast doesn't mean you're going to necessarily reach where you're trying to get to Mm -hmm. and what i realize is if you run and run and run you're going to some point stop right or you're going to get tired you're going to get dehydrated or something like that so i would rather go 
and do something for a period of time for a longer period of time than just trying to chase it right now and try to get instant gratification. Mm, I love that. I love that. What's your favorite um, purchase that you've bought yourself this year? Ooh, my favorite purchase for myself. Um, I purchased a mentorship. Mm. Um, I purchased the mentorship. Um, we started to get into teaching classes weekly, and uh, it definitely made a huge impact on the people and then how much money I was making as well. But more importantly, the people, because now I'm able to see the free information that I'm giving through my classes on Thursdays. I'm able to see literally a month later when people take advantage of it and then they come back and they, you know, they message me like, yo, I tried this. Like literally just a couple of days ago, somebody was like, I went to your class. I did the 72 hour pre-order method that you talked about. And then I made $1,100 in 72 hours. I only have 500 followers on Instagram. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay, this actually works. You know what I mean? So I think that was one of the best purchases, mentorship, and then doing those classes for people to impact more people. Thanks. Thanks. What's um, one book that you've read recently that changed your life? One book, um, man, I read so many books, bro. Um, can I cuss on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Okay. And that book, it, it changed my mentality because I felt like, you know, when you start getting a bigger following on social media, you start to care a little bit more about the opinions that are coming in. And that book kind of helped me realize that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks besides what you think. Mm. Yep. So if you had a choice, it's number four. If you had a choice between eating nothing but cold food for the rest of your life or only drinking water for the rest of your life, which one you would choose? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I'm going to go with cold food. Cold I'm going to go cold food. Because right. I think I, my, my body, like the way I operate, we work out and stuff like that, I need food, bro. Like, yeah. I need food. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about I would I would go with cold food because every once in a while I want to sneak some sweet tea in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if I can give up the sweet tea. All right, Coolio. So the last question I got for you, Tess, is would you rather take $1 million over 50 years or get paid out $5,000 a week for the rest of your life? I take five thousand. Five thousand. I'm taking five thousand. Okay. Because I'm gonna be able to flip. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm be able to flip five bands every week. I'm gonna be able to do that. All right. Yeah, for All sure. Right, hey, so that wraps up our rapid fire round. You <laughs> killed it, Tez. Appreciate it. I got a couple more questions for you before we wrap things up. And um, you know, I did, I gave you a lot of like uh, choices to pick, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you're familiar with the Matrix. You've seen the Matrix yep. before. So I'm gonna give you the hot seat, right? You're gonna be able to be Morpheus, mm-hmm. and the audience is gonna be Neo, and you pretty much giving them a choice between a red pill and a blue pill. Mm-hmm. They can symbolize anything you want, but if you had to give them a choice, what would the red pill be and what would the blue pill be? And this is just anything? Anything you want. Man. Would you rather bet on yourself is going to be the the red pill? Okay. And the blue pill is would you rather put your life in somebody else's hands? Mm. Mm, Damn, that's a good question, right? It's better. Rather bet on yourself the red pill mm-hmm. and in the blue pill would you rather put your life in somebody else's hands and if you're choosing the, if you're choosing the blue pill I want to know who <laughs> right who, who are you putting who's like <laughs> who are you putting your life in their hands like are they responsible Coolio so what I'm going to do Tess is I'm going to put that on our poll so mm-hmm. if they watching this on Spotify they get a chance to put that in the poll but we also got a private community mm-hmm. I'm going to you know, invite you to that private Facebook community Sounds as well dope. so you can network with our you know millionaires that like to connect mm-hmm. you know ask questions and things like that I'm going to also put a poll on there so That's people love. can ask and interact Sounds and engage good. with you uh, and I'm going to drop it once we drop the episode too 
All right, bet. You want to see it. Let's and then do it. Add a poll to follow. So I want to know what y'all picking, right? The red pill, you bet on yourself. The blue pill, you put your life in somebody else's hands. Make sure you let us know who who you who you putting in your hands though. So, all right, next we got uh, some advice, right? You walk in uh, out of this out of the studio in a little bit, and you just happen to walk past a spin image, eighteen year old version of yourself. Right. What would be some advice you would give eighteen year old Tess? Man, eighteen year old me, shout out to you. You a goat. Um, nonetheless, I would tell myself to trust in myself even more. Always remain pure hearted at everything with everything you do. Don't judge anybody based off what they wearing. Don't judge anybody based off of where they came from or how they talk or how they look or how they walk. You always stay pure to who you are and always remain true to you. And I think the second thing that I would tell myself as well is um, be more, be more. What's the word I want to use? Be more aware of what you get yourself into, who you decide to hang around. You know, if you if you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. Um, I would be more careful who you hang around and then also leave these girls alone, dude. Like, for leave these girls alone, bro. Like, focus on, you know, bettering yourself and you're going to attract a high-quality woman once you've realized, once you've shown your actual worth and, actually, and you've actually, you know, been able to actually get something that you wanted out of life like you may have hit a, a certain life goal like a certain amount of money you may have hit a weight goal you may have bought your first you know rental property or something like that do that first before you seek pleasure from a woman because at the end of the day women they want a man that's stable and they want a man that is going to be able to take care of them and mm-hmm. i feel like if you don't know how to take care of yourself how can you take care of a good woman mm-hmm. facts i say i say on that one especially just like being pure-hearted mm-hmm. and you know knowing how to take care of yourself these are all huge values I feel like that all together is some highly vibrating you know uh, advice to give because mm-hmm. once you learn that you know these things help you vibrate on a high level absolutely you start to surround yourself and attract high level and high vibrating people so you're not worried about gossip you're not worried about you exactly. know people being ungrateful you're not worrying about how you didn't make enough money this you know it's all going to come and you're going to start to attract mm-hmm. and we're going to get away from the chasing right? exactly. get away from the chasing I think that's the biggest one so I want to give you now the space test to you know plug yourself in tell our listeners a little bit more you know where they can find you some special projects you might have coming up mm-hmm. most importantly if you offering any partnerships because I'm sure a lot of our millionaires might be wanting to tap in mm-hmm. with you on you know some of the mentorship and things like that now's oh, yeah. the time to plug that pl- plug all that in definitely definitely so guys you guys can check me out on instagram at underscore the real test i only have one page please like i won't message you ask you for money i won't i probably won't message you at all right um so don't fall for the the fake pages that are out there that's number one uh number two you guys can check me out on youtube as well at dantes akram number three if you're more uh if you're interested in to get into e-commerce or building a clothing brand i hold these free classes every single thursday at 7 p.m eastern time um you can check it out at www.ecomwithtez.com slash masterclass you'll be able to sign up there it's absolutely free and on top of that i give you a thousand dollars so i do this every single thursday and we teach you a variety of different things on how you can get into e-commerce regardless of your current uh you know experience level if you have a college degree or not or if you're broke or not or if even even if you have a computer or not we show you how to start making money online from your cell phone um and then again you guys can check that out by clicking the link on my instagram bio as well and um outside of that make sure you guys join the number one uh, clothing brand discord server in the world limitless investments you guys can check that out in the link uh link in my bio on instagram as well uh, underscore the real test but other than that i greatly appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity man like we definitely slaughtered this so hopefully you guys liked it and if you guys did shoot me a message on instagram and let me know what you guys like the most and uh, i'll definitely be able to you know respond to you guys and give you guys some feedback facts hey tez i appreciate Love, you bro. bro man it, it's funny that <laughs> it's funny that this is one thing that i'm learning uh about 
the direction that the podcast is going. I'm starting to learn that I'm getting the right guest on here. Mm. When at the end, their disclaimer is, if you get a, a message from me from on Instagram, it's from, like when you start getting these <laughs> fake pages created, that's when you know you're getting like some high level people in here. And you know, Tez, I appreciate you for jumping on and Bye, you know giving a lot of game to our millionaires. I know that you know one, two, three pieces of uh, advices that you gave is going to be some gems that's going to really jumpstart a lot of people's lives. Absolutely. So you know, millionaires, I hope you took some notes. I hope you really checked in and tapped in with us. Uh, I, I appreciate you for tapping in as well because you guys are every part that makes the show. You guys give us feedback. We listen. We hear the types of guests you want to have, the types of content, the co- types of conversations you want to hear. So also, Ted, like everything, you know, you being on here is also a part of the feedback that I've gotten from our millionaires as well. So it's been a, a special moment having you on here. And like uh. I said, I appreciate you. So if you guys resonated with this information, definitely make sure you tap in with Tez. He does those webinars on Thursdays and you're going to get even more game, I'm sure, about the industry that if, if you say you got endless game on this podcast, this is probably like 15 to 5% like, uh, <laughs> of, of what he gives out on them, on them uh, those master classes. So make sure you tap in and um, you know, I'm sure you're going to take care of let, let him know that you came from the Million Dollar Mind community too so he can take care of you and make sure that he giving you some special sauce so in there, okay? Absolutely. So with that being the case, I'm your guy, Kai Speaks. You just heard from Dantes Akram on how to scale a six to seven figure clothing brand. Just make sure you keep focus, build momentum, and drive results so you can live abundantly. Peace. Peace. There we go. That's a wrap. Yeah, slaughtered it. Yeah, you slaughtered that one, Tez. That was, uh, yeah. when we started getting to them ads. <laughs>